Hey, what's good, y'all? Happy Monday at your man, Uncle Dub, and it's time for episode 127 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. You know where to find me, Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. A lot of stuff happening this weekend, so I hope you have a great weekend. It's Monday again, Monday edition. Oh, boy. Uh, We got a lot of college basketball to talk about. Uh, We'll kind of go back briefly over the NHL uh, All-Star Game stuff, start getting ready for uh, next week. So we got a few events coming up next week. Uh, that we want to start talking about, set the table a little bit. Um, want to give you a heads up. Our next Wednesday conversation will be ready to go. So I'll kind of, uh, you know, be sending out some alerts about that. So just you know, keep your eye out on that. So we've got another great conversation that we'll uh, post this Wednesday. All right. So on the men's side, let's start with college basketball. Saturday, uh, Arizona State upsets number three UCLA, 87 to 84 in overtime. Jalen Graham, 16 points and 10 rebounds for the Sun Devils. Uh, Jaime Vas- uh, Jacquez Jr., 27 points, 11, 11 boards for UCLA. Um, UCLA is now 8-3 and three in the Pac-12, so they're tied for second to Oregon, and they're 16-4 and four overall. Um, Arizona has the lead currently in the Pac-12 at 9-1. and one. Arizona State falls to 3-7. and seven. They're currently ninth in the conference, and they are 7-13 and 13 overall. So, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about, uh, we, we talked last week about uh, Bobby Hurley uh, getting suspended. Um, a couple of his players got suspended for their altercation with the referees. And when I say altercation, I mean they went at the refs. There were no physical altercation, if you remember. Um, so I'm wondering how much that's going to play uh, into the eyes of administration, because then you have to ask yourself the question, you know, is he going to be back next season? Is this the end of the road? So a lot of questions to be answered uh, in Tempe uh, as the season kind of starts to wind down for the Sun Devils. Uh, speaking of uh, Arizona, so their arch rivals, number seven, Arizona, they beat number 19, USC, 72-63. Azulas Tubelas, 18 points, 11 rebounds, and Isaiah Mobley had 15 points for the Trojans. Number 10, Kansas over number 8, Baylor, 83-59. Christian Braun and Oche Agabji Agad, Agad, had 18 points each. Uh, Christian Braun kicked in with 10 rebounds as well. Adam Flagler had 16 points for Baylor. Uh, the game of the night, number 9, Duke over UNC, 87-67. Uh, freshman A.J. Griffin, 27 points. He went 50% from the three-point line. Uh, Brady Manick had 21 points for UNC. Basically, <laughs> this game was pretty much over in the first half. So with eight minutes to go in the first half, you just saw Carolina fans just filing out of the, the Smith Center. I mean, Duke in Coach K's last game in Chapel Hill in this rivalry, Duke came out and sent a message. They just were not fooling around, and that was pretty much it. Um, these numbers, Duke went. Duke shot 58% from the field. They shot 48% from three. Um, let's see. Duke shot uh, 13. They had 13 free throw attempts to Carolina's 15, which actually is about even because typically, as you know, there's usually a big discrepancy in free throw attempts when there's a Duke game. Uh, when you play Duke, there's usually a big free throw discrepancy. So go back and look at some of the games. Um, so there's a game tonight we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, they shot uh, 77% from the free throw line. Carolina was 10 for 15, and Duke out-rebounded Carolina 40 to 24. In the Big East, number 12, Villanova over number 17, UConn, 85-74. Eric Dixon, 24 points and 12 rebounds for the Wildcats. 
RJ Cole, 25 points for UConn. So the numbers were pretty good in this one. Um, both teams shot uh, upwards of 50%. So from the field, UConn shot at 50%. Villanova shot 59%. Uh, three points, uh, UConn shot 40% from the three-point line. Uh, Villanova shot 55%. And both teams shot extremely well from the free throw line, 88% to 96% UConn to Villanova. So, I mean, again, the score, um, you know, 11-point victory for Villanova, but the, the just the the numbers are probably about as far as the free throw shooting i would say the numbers are about what you would want i mean it amazes me and i've said this a million times it just amazes me how many times you look at a free throw stat line and it's 60 percent uh 45 percent 50 percent i mean free throw numbers should be 75 percent or better both teams shot way north of that which is what you would want and i think obviously with anything else that plays into the outcome of a game Rutgers upsets number 13 Michigan State in the Big Ten, 84-63. Ron Harper Jr. and Clifford Omaruji, 17 points each. Gabe Brown had 20 points for Michigan State. Again, good shooting in this one. Rutgers, 62% from the field. They had um, 17 free throw attempts versus six for Michigan State, but on the other side of that, as we just said, you want to be north of 75%. They got 17 attempts, but only shot 65% from the free throw line. So, again, they had enough firepower from the field to win this one. But nevertheless, you know, think about if you shoot uh, if you shoot 88% like UConn did. I mean, this would have been a bigger margin of victory for the Scarlet Knights. Number 23, Texas over number 20, Iowa State, 63-41. Marcus Carr, 14 points. For the Longhorns and Isaiah Brockington, 12 points for Iowa State. DePaul upsets number 21, Xavier, 69-65. Covassier McCauley, 21 points off the bench for the Blue Demons. Paul Scruggs, 21 points for Xavier. Another upset, this is from the SEC, Vanderbilt over number 25, LSU, 75-66. Rodney Chapman, 24 points. And Tori Eason, uh, 16 points for LSU. The ladies on Sunday. So, number 10, UConn. So, the UConn-Tennessee rivalry was renewed on Sunday. Number 10, UConn over number 7, Tennessee, 75-56. AZ Fudd in her first career start. The freshman from Alec- from Arlington, rather. 25 points for, for the UConn. Jordan Horston, 26 points for Tennessee. This game was pretty much over in the third quarter. So, it was kind of close at the half. Um, kind of my observations. I mean, I think both teams kind of... Early, it was back and forth. Both teams were making buckets, but UConn started to really break out in the third quarter because uh, the one person that I think, you know, really Gina Orium has really been staring at pretty hard uh, for the last year or so is Kristen Williams. She can shoot the three, but she just hasn't been hitting the three. She got hot. Um, my goodness, the young lady, her, uh, oh my gosh, wow, oh my gosh, her name just went out of my head. It always does that, and I can see her face. Plain as day, she she went to Tennessee, she transferred from Tennessee, but she's at UConn now. But she started hitting threes. Once the threes started falling for UConn, it was game over. Um, Tennessee, they shot twenty nine points, a twenty nine percent from the field. They were twenty percent from the field uh i'm sorry 20 29 percent from the field 20 percent from three point uconn shot 46 percent from three points so there's your difference 45 percent from the field the turnovers were about even although again for 
Tennessee, this Avina Westbrook. Ha, there we go. Avina Westbrook. She was start. She started hit. She got hot. She had a really big game for them. The turnovers were even, although for Tennessee, ten, uh, turnovers continue to be a problem with 15 total for the game. Number nine, Baylor over number 13, Texas, 63-55. And Alyssa Smith had a double-double, 28 points, 13 rebounds for the Bears. Joanne Allen-Taylor, 18 points for Texas. Florida strikes again in the SEC. Florida goes to Athens and takes down number 14, Georgia, 54-51. Jordan Merritt and Zippy Broughton had 11 points each for the Gators. Mallory Bates at 13 points for Georgia. Florida is now in third place in the SEC at 7-3, 17-6 overall. Florida is still making moves. So if this thing ended today, again, uh, we're talking about a 14-team league. This thing ended today. Florida would get a double buy. Amazing. And again, I say to you, Florida, make Kelly Ray Finley the head coach. Take the interim tag off. This team is really, they look really good. They're surprising, um, at least maybe to me. I mean, maybe there are folks out there who can tell me this has been a really good team, but I don't think a lot of people expected a lot. But here they are. I mean, they're... Um, they are they were unranked last week again don't know how this is going to go are they rising in the votes for the rankings we'll see it, it it's still early in the day the women's polls won't be out till later so at this rate we probably won't talk about the, the rankings in general uh men and women probably until friday i may get my hands on men's rankings if we do we'll break it in into the show arizona state over uh number 19 oregon 55 49 jade lovell 16 points for the Sun Devils, India Rogers, 18 points for Oregon. So on the Arizona trip, Oregon goes 0-2. They lost to Arizona on Friday night, 63-48 in the in the rematch uh, from about a month ago. Um, you know, in her press conference, uh, Adia Barnes basically said, you know, hey, again, everyone's making a big deal out of this whole situation that happened in Eugene. You know, her and uh, Kelly Graves pregame talking chatting you know again she goes you know you got to have a short memory in this business she goes you know whatever you know stuff happens you know we're both competitors we're both warriors we let it go we shook hands we had a couple laughs and walked away and coached our team so um so again oregon heads back to kind of reset the deck as they go oh and two on the southern swing in the pac-12 florida state over number 20 notre dame 70 65 valencia myers 14 points for the Seminoles, Olivia Miles, 17 points for uh, the Irish. Uh, I believe Notre Dame, they should have a break coming soon. I, I know they have another game probably coming on Thursday, if I recall correctly. But they've played, I want to say, four games in about seven or eight days. So they are uh, definitely in need of some rest. They just ran out of gas at the end. And they had a few opportunities to win. But, um you know, ball didn't fall for them. Um, you know, again, Florida State put themselves in the position where, you know, they had the ball. Uh, Notre Dame had the foul, put them on the free throw line. And again, kids, you young players, make your if you make your free throws, you win basketball games. I cannot. I absolutely cannot stress that enough. Make your free throws, win basketball games. It's, you know, basketball is not terribly hard, but. There are some things that are fairly easy. Free throws are one of them. When I say easy, relatively speaking, in other words, you get to stand there, timed, shoot a shot, no one in your face. You have to be able to do that successfully to win basketball games. So we've seen plenty of examples, and there are others out there 
where you can see how that could make a difference. Um, you know, kind of one quick thing from the women's game, you know, UVA is still, the UVA women are still looking for their first ACC win. And if they had made their free throws last night, they probably could have beat Clemson. They lost by about five points and they shot, uh, what was it? Nine for 27, something to that regard. So they had about 30 free throw attempts and couldn't hit half of them. No bueno. So make your free throws, kids. Make your lives easier. Get the win. Um, A couple notes from some other areas. Um, Going back to Friday night in the Colonial Athletic Conference, Delaware beats the College of Charleston 103-79. to So the reason I bring this up is uh, Delaware guard Jasmine Dickey. 52 points for the Blue Hens, and she grabbed 18 rebounds in 38 minutes. So her total was the third highest scoring total for this season. We all remember Aoka Lee hit the 61. Uh, She hit 52. Um, I forget who's in front of her. However, she eclipsed, Jasmine Dickey eclipsed her 48 that she scored back in November in a tournament. So she's hit uh, 50 once damn near 50 uh, back in November. So uh, Jasmine Dickey for Delaware, she is straight crushing it. Uh, And I believe she's a senior as well at Delaware. So, I mean, she scored half of Delaware's points. I mean, just ridiculous. Um, Speaking of ridiculous, the very definition, we, we say walking bucket a lot. The very definition of a walking bucket did her thing again last night. So Iowa... They lost to Michigan by eight, 98 to 90. So first of all, these teams scored 188 points combined, which is crazy. Caitlin Clark, 46 points, 10 assists. She went 14 of 29 from the field and six of 13 from three. But it's not so much the numbers. It's just where she was hitting shots. I mean, she would dribble over the center line and she's standing on the M The Michigan M and just, okay, I'm just going to launch this shot and splash. Like, I'm talking splash like you hit a a, a point-blank shot. Easy. I mean, what? (laughs) She continues to just do these crazy things. So, she had double-double and was just, I I mean, she her range as soon as she got on the plane. Because she (laughs) just continues to just hit buckets all over the place. All right. Schedule two nights on the ladies' side. Number 12, Georgia Tech visits Reynolds Coliseum in Raleigh to take on number three, NC State. 6 p.m. ESPN 2. On the men's side tonight, Virginia goes to number nine, Duke. Cameron Indoor Stadium, 7 p.m. on ESPN. So Virginia currently is two spots out of the fourth seed for the ACC tournament. Again, this, this win would be humongous for them. Now, are they going to get the win? Mm. Again, we saw Duke dismantle a pretty decent UNC team. So Virginia is going to have to do Virginia things if they if they want to try to at least have a shot in Cameron. And the thing that they got to do that's very Virginia is play some defense. I mean, Virginia took down Miami on Saturday. I mean, very good performance from from the Cavaliers. But it's going to take a little bit more if they want to try to beat Duke. And Duke, as we know, they've got weapons upon weapons upon weapons. So, again, that's one to kind of look out for on the men's side. 
Um, number seven, Arizona goes to uh, goes to Tempe to play Arizona State, 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. So the Territorial Cup Series, the duel in the desert. Arizona won the first matchup 76-56 on the uh, 20th of January in Tucson. So they go uh, visit the Sun Devils, 9 p.m. ESPN. Number 10, Kansas, goes to Austin to take on number 23, Texas. College football. One note from college football. Man, Miami. I tell you, uh, Mario Cristobal is just, he just keeps doing great things. And uh, this is a little scary. (laughs) Uh, Considering that uh, Miami is in the same division as Virginia. And, you know, Tony Ellis doing it big. I mean, the, the, the staff that he's assembled in Charlottesville. Um, Brennan Armstrong's coming back for, for another season. Um, the offensive line looks like it's taking shape because, you know, once uh, Marco Mendenhall stepped aside, a lot of the offensive linemen hit the transfer portal. We got a few guys back from the portal. But nevertheless, Mario Cristobal in Miami. First big thing that happened, Kevin Steele, so defensive coordinator, was supposed to go to Maryland, changed his mind. He signed with Miami. Josh Gaddis leaves Michigan as their offensive coordinator, and he is on his way to Miami. Gaddis, as you remember, won this year's Broyles Award as the top assistant in college football. Michigan finished 16th in scoring offense this past season. So they averaged 20, uh, sorry, 35.7 points per game. Um, Gaddis has had experience at Vanderbilt, Penn State, and he was at Alabama a couple years after Mario Cristobal left. So he was the co-offensive coordinator in 2018. Now, the thing that the other piece of all this, you know, Gaddis did some he did some yeoman's work at Michigan. Now he's going to go to Miami and he's going to get get to work with Tyler Van Dyke. <sighs> I'm scared. <laughs> now, look, again, you, how do you counter good offense with good defense? So. Teams that you know are going to have those issues, especially on the back end with the pass defense, that's going to be a problem. But again, for about you know, especially with football, you know, you want to have balance. You want to be able to run the football well and pass the football. Run predicates the pass. We we kind of sort of understand that. But just the types of things that you saw Michigan do, it's going to be interesting to see how those sorts of things are going to be incorporated into Miami's offense. And then, of course, and, and, and I said, you know, watching Tyler Van Dyke play this year, I'm going, man, he is very impressive, very impressive quarterback. So he has nowhere to go but up. I mean, you know, and, and that Coastal Division's got some good quarterbacks. I mean, ACC's got some good quarterbacks, period. But the Coastal Division's got some good guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to go Um for uh, and and we gotta wait. You know, <laughs> I talked about this. Is like that's that's the one thing I hate about this time of the year. It's like, oh man, we we gotta, uh, you know, we we got we get to see all the the great videos of hey, we're working out, we're getting ready, we're hitting the field, we're gonna start practicing. But you gotta wait at least till the spring game. But you know, the spring game is controlled chaos. Um, but we gotta wait all the way until August just to watch this thing happen and. Uh, I'm sad, but it'll happen. It'll be August again before you know it. And then what does that mean? It'll be cold again before you know it. And and just cold weather. I'm sick of it. All right. When we come back, we'll talk a little WNBA. So we're going to go through the current 
free agency signings and trades and stuff like that. Uh, recap in NHL All-Star Game, kind of show you, talk about who won. And of course, we have today's Black History Profile. So stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, welcome back. So let's do our Black History Profile for today. So today, our profile is on Lincoln Tiger Phillips. Mr. Phillips was born in Trinidad and Tobago in 1941. He played goalkeeper for the Trinidad and Tobago national team from 1963 to 1967 and won a bronze medal with the team uh, during the 1967 Pan American Games. At one time, he was named the most outstanding goalkeeper in the Caribbean and Trinidad and Tobago's goalkeeper of the century. In 1968, he was drafted by the Baltimore Bays of the North American Soccer League. And once the team folded, so he played for a short time, the team folded. He was then recruited by the Washington Darts of the American Soccer League to be their player coach. He led the team to two league titles. He was on the all-star team and was the league's coach of the year. Many believe that he was the first black professional soccer coach in the United States. The team eventually, so the Washington Darts eventually moved to the North American Soccer League, where he continued his outstanding play as a goalkeeper. He set records for consecutive shutouts and scoreless minutes. He was on the all-star team and led the darts to the title game. In 1970, Tiger Phillips took over as the head coach of the Howard University soccer team, and in year one, they went to the Final Four. One year later, he led the squad to the national championship, where they defeated soccer powerhouse St. Louis 3-2 in Miami. A few months later, the NCAA stripped the title due to mysterious allegations of ineligible players. So this these allegations were brought up by an anonymous through an anonymous letter, and the allegations were based upon, oh, well, they have players who didn't 
complete the requisite testing to be entered into college, as well as allegations of players who played for their native countries. So um, many of the players that played on this team were from the Caribbean. So they played on their team, their national teams for their countries. And because of that, people thought that they had exhausted their eligibility. So through this, there were many allegations of racism. This is a very, very powerful team. This team outscored um, uh, teams by multiple numbers. Um, and so um, when the title was stripped, um, you know, it was alleged racism. And then there were some coaches who um, said things that essentially were extremely racist in regards to the team's performance, uh, in regards to the eligibility of the players. And to this day, the NCAA has never addressed these allegations to put to bed that these allegations were false. Um, as a matter of fact, I read an article before recording that Robert Parrish, he went to Centenary College, the same ruling that they levied against the Howard team, the Howard players, was levied against Robert Parrish um, as far as his eligibility was concerned. So again, a lot of um, you know, shady business happening with with the NCAA. I mean, again, something the more things change, the more they stay the same. But in essence, this was kind of a ploy by, you know, some in power to kind of, you know, limit the ability of this team to be great. So Phillips then led the Bison to the 1974 National Championship where they again beat St. Louis and in fitting fashion, they beat St. Louis in St. Louis, Missouri. Phillips was National Coach of the Year in both 1971 and 1974. Um, during his time, his 10 years, approximately 10 years with the Bison, he led them to the, t to the NCAA tournament eight times. And his his record was 179, 19, 11 overall. So he had about a 94% Winning, winning percentage during his time at Howard. He went on to coach at Virginia Commonwealth University from 1989 to 1994, where he led them to a top 20 ranking. And from 2013 to 2014, he was the goalkeepers coach for the Loyola, Loyola University women's team uh, in Baltimore. So we wanted to kind of honor Tiger Phillips for um, all his great work. Uh, again, such a great legacy. Um, so Spike Lee did a 20, a 30 for 30 short about the Howard team. And it was such a good uh, 30 for 30 short. So initially, I didn't know it was a short. I thought it was a whole 30 for 30. And I started watching it. And then I go, wait, this is 20, 24 minutes. This is over. I was so angry. But they packed a lot in those 20, 20 some odd minutes. And it wasn't so much about the team and what happened with the, the, the NCAA appearance in 71 or winning the championship in 74, because, again, they are the only HBCU to have won a national championship in a Division One sport. So there's your Jeopardy factor of the day. But the players that they interviewed, so Coach Phillips was interviewed, he interviewed a number of his players, and one of the things that many of the players talked about was Howard in the 1970s, kind of being in this environment, um, such great minds, such great thinkers, um, being, you know, very pro-black in, you know, in the Nixon United States where, you know, the vast majority of Richard Nixon's policies were extremely anti-black, um, so much so that when the team won the national title, they were invited to the White House 
and they declined to go because I mean, he, you know, Nixon congratulated them via Telegram again. If you don't know what a telegram is, go look it up. But <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, telegrams, you know, telegrams, fax machines, text messages. Okay, we, we've evolved. But um, they Nixon invited them to the White House, and they decided not to go because they did not want that to be perceived as support of Nixon in an elect in an election year. But again. Just when you thought, again, if you understand or have a history of, you know, the Nixon years, I mean, outside of Watergate, the issue here is, you know, his policies were extremely anti-black. There were a lot of racist dog whistles that were levied in his policies and in the way he did things. But then that was just built upon in the Reagan years. And then the Reagan years have spawned us to where we are through, you know, Trumpism and all the other mess that's out there. Okay. But again, they talk so much about just being in the environment at Howard, just being around, you know, so much um, blackness and how it really influenced them to, you know, really embrace their blackness even more and just all the people that they were around. And and then, of course, having to fight the NCAA um, that I think really put so much in their minds about what they were up against and we're talking about the early 1970s so again as we say the more things change the more they stay the same now um you know we understand that that policy or the reasoning for the ncaa's you know we're gonna strip you of that title it was covert yet overt racism because there was never any really solid evidence that these players were ineligible and we've seen it in other cases but it would be beautiful if the ncaa would actually investigate this but again you know they're so they're busy counting all the money that they made last year that they that they're happy about oh well we made the numbers like somewhere in the 1.5 billion range that you know because again we remember how much money they lost during the pandemic because of not having championships so you know they're busy counting their money trying to worry about you know the nil situation getting into these students pockets that they're not taking care and remedying the injustices of the past and that i think needs to happen more sooner than later all right um couple notes uh, from other areas in uh, sports. The Breeders' Cup is this weekend, so uh, we'll have a look at the field on Friday and we'll kind of start tracking some of the big races because we are roughly 89 days from the running of the first leg of the Triple Crown. The 148th Kentucky Derby will go off on May 7th, so the first Saturday in May. Always my favorite time of the year. Love it so much. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of get into Breeders' Cup uh, but we know we're breeder, when it's Breeders' Cup, it's horse racing season, although horse racing season, I think, is pretty much all year round because they typically race in warmer climes. So they're usually in Florida or California. So like they have the Florida Derby. I think they have the Arkansas Derby somewhere. I couldn't tell you. I don't really know the calendar like that. But there are races coming that are kind of give us the feel for um, the, the Kentucky Derby coming up in May. Um one other quick note, college lacrosse season started on Saturday. 
So number 16, Delaware, number 19, Johns Hopkins, number two, Maryland, number nine, Rutgers, number one, UVA, number 12, Denver, and number three, Duke, all won over the weekend. Virginia uh, ranked first in the nation again. They seek a three-peat um, as national champions, but again, it's going to be uh, a murderer's row uh, through the ACC. The ACC is always good, and it's going to be a murderer's row nationally because you've got a lot of good teams out there. I see Hopkins ranked 19th. It's been probably a little while since Hopkins has been ranked, and they're you know one of the top uh, teams in the nation as far as you know national championships won between them and Syracuse. So we'll see how it all kind of unfolds as the season goes on. Uh, NHL All-Star Game, the Metro. So remember the, the format, it was three games. So we had two semifinals on a final. One semifinal, the Metropolitan All-Stars beat the Pacific All-Stars 6-4. to four. Jack Hughes of New Jersey scored two goals. In the second semifinal, the Atlantic All-Stars beat the Central All-Stars 8-5. to five. Jordan Kiru from St. Louis, two goals to assist. In the final, the Metropolitan Division beat the Central Division 5-3. Claude Giroux from Philadelphia, two goals, and he is your All-Star Game MVP. Um, two games tonight as we restart as we restart hockey and get into the second half of the season, both on the ESPN Plus at 7 p.m. Uh, Carolina visits Toronto, and New Jersey visits Ottawa. All right, last piece for today, WNBA free agency. So as I logged off <laughs> last week, I said, ah, I forgot about free agency because, you know, a lot of things happen. And then I think a couple things might have happened late on Friday. So let's kind of go through this. Let's go through the re-signings. So re-signings, Kalia Copper re-signs with Chicago. John Quill Jones, your reigning MVP, stays in Connecticut. Sylvia Fowles, I believe this is her last season. She stays in Minnesota. Kia Nurse resigns with Phoenix, and she's going to be key. She got hurt towards the end of the season. I think she's definitely going to be a key piece of Phoenix because it just got interesting in Phoenix. Um, Lindsey Allen and Emma Cannon resigned with Indiana. Rebecca Allen signs with New York. Stephanie Talbot resigns in Seattle. Kia Stokes and Raquina Williams uh, resigned in Las Vegas, and Monique Billings uh, resigns in Atlanta. So your new signings. So some of these are via trades. So Kia Vaughn was trade from, traded from Phoenix to Atlanta. Erica Wheeler was traded from Los Angeles to Atlanta, and Kennedy Carter was sent to Los Angeles. So Atlanta gets the 2023 first round pick or a 2023 first round pick, and they get the number 15 pick in 2022. So it'll be a second round pick. Phoenix, Tina Charles and Diamond the Shields are heading to Phoenix. So you've got Tina Charles, Diamond the Shields, uh, Diana Tarazi, Brittany Griner. The list goes on and on. They got new head coach Vanessa Nygaard. It's about to get real out here. Phoenix, whew, they're going to be scary to look at come the start of the season. Katie Lou Samuelson was traded from Seattle to Los Angeles. Gabby Williams is traded to Seattle. Los Angeles gets the number nine pick in the 2022 draft. So these these changes, especially this is going to be a first round pick. Now it's going to be interesting to see how the draft board will move. Now that that pick goes to Los Angeles, then Los Angeles gets to look at their needs. And so that's going to switch up uh, who's coming out. Because, again, we kind of know who isn't coming out. Now it's a question of, okay. Who, who comes up the board, who drops down the board because of the change in team and their needs. Um, 
Courtney Williams goes and re-signs with Connecticut. So she leaves Atlanta and goes back to Connecticut. And the big move, Liz Cambage is leaving Las Vegas and she is signing with Los Angeles. So again, Los Angeles and Phoenix making really big moves in the western half of the WNBA. So again, once all these uh, rosters shake out, we'll kind of come back and look at how everything settles and how all the pieces fit together a little bit later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, we say goodbye to you for episode 127 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. I appreciate you listening um, on Wednesday, Wednesday conversation. So I had the pleasure to interview golfer Mackenzie Mack. So I hope you will tune in for that conversation. Uh, get to hear her story and kind of her perspectives on the game of golf as far as diversity is concerned. And and um, I should ask for some playing tips, but <laughs> uh, we, we, we'll get to that another time. But nevertheless, um, just such a, um, a golfer with just this really global view of the game. Um, and we'll kind of talk about what she's currently doing and, and all that good stuff. So I hope you'll tune in for that. Um, and we'll kind of get to all that very soon but until i see you again on friday you'll hear from me again on friday that'll probably be episode 129 so we're moving on up here in the world uh as i said we'll talk more than likely ap top 10 uh men's and women's college basketball as we move into the weekend we'll get into breeders cup we'll do a little horse racing uh try to reset reset the deck on WNBA and anything that pops up uh we'll have it here for you we'll do our very best to make it happen make sure you listen you subscribe you rate tell a friend about the show hit me up on instagram or twitter it's uncle dub i-t-s-u-n-c-l-e underscore d-u-b until i see you again make sure you are doing everything you can to protect yourself to protect others let's wipe out this pandemic or let's at least get this pandemic down to a minimum because miss no make no mistake we are still in a pandemic so let's stop acting like this thing is over it's far from over we got to get it together, knock this thing down. And as you're doing that, remember, drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.